0: One of the all-time favorite shows.
1: Because you were home. Hello and welcome to episode 84 of Because You Are Home. And in time honored fashion of since last year, we're doing our Pride episode late. Late. Not in the sense that we only just decided to do it. We had this plan, but life got in the way. We were at the Red Hot Chili Peppers, which was amazing. There was a few other things, and it just fell away from us. But yes. there is never not a, a a good time. Wait, never not. Bad. I don't know, turning no, I'm turning like- up a double negative. You can't fail. Speaking about LGBTQ plus her because I just feel like as if it, you don't need a month for it. No, exactly. Just like hey we were arguing that like you know when we were doing our women in horror month that we were like can't wait for the day when it's not a month it's just a thing that exists yes I very much so want that for this I wouldn't hmm, it's a terrible thing to call it like a subgenre of horror but you know it's it I think is, the
2: thing is the, the month in itself is important because it has to be
1: shown oh, so for awareness yeah, yeah
2: but Outside of that month, it should
1: still be spoken about. Yeah. Yeah. Like you are still getting, you're getting, I think, more in your mainstream horror movies. You are getting LGBTQ plus characters. Yes. Um, and, they're, you know, I know it's more in the indie thing. Like I watched the, the great film last year and sadly, I can't remember the title, but it's about the lesbian couple who go on a trip to the cabin. Yes. And the girlfriend has and then she's like trying to kill her because she's just a psychopath but like that is like a pure like that was a pure lesbian film it wasn't even that they're side characters they were the main characters and I'm like I can't wait for that to just be not something so you could only find on Shudder or on streaming like something that's just out there so um, and I'm sure it is happening more and more where like you'll have your your main characters because it's at the minute they are side characters
2: it's what I what I like to kind of think of is the way people talk about Schitt's Creek mm-hmm. where they're like the reference representation of David and Patrick's relationship and that where it is a relationship that is really positive and just loving and the, the support that they have was actually a really important representation to be shown as well mm-hmm. as the struggle that goes along with sometimes coming out or being in a relationship with somebody but it was also that people were saying it was lovely to see the representation of when it is just really accepted and this I as everyone should feel just this beautiful relationship you know that is no different to my relationship with my husband or the relationship you have with your husband
1: yeah it's not even like a coming out story it's just that it's here it's it's there you know yeah. it's here it's queer get used to it, but like um yeah it's just like that accepted or or it doesn't even need to question oh it's, it's always been like this fine um <laughs> that yeah well like I mean we are definitely progressing that is so because that's one of the things I'm going to discuss with my film is that like how and I'm sure you saw in you watched a, a, a documentary on it to discuss homosexuality in films had to be inferred had to be all in the subtext and like the wink, wink and nudge, nudge of the way that they were doing it because it was the only way because of the censorship laws, the only way it could get put across. Like yeah. one of the most infuriating things I saw and it was, I think, a part of the haze Code, if not, you know, like a, uh, I think it was, but basically the only way you could have representation of homosexuality to your characters or, or whatever it was if they were feared or if they were jeered, basically, if they were mocked. Yeah. So that's why you might have the funny gay character or like the silly gay character, and you're just like, the fuck. Or the fact that they're seen to be like creeps or murders or whatever, like they yeah. have the predilections, and oh, it was just so bad. Um, so I will admit happily that things have progressed, and I just can't wait to see how they move on in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will kind of just like that segue into the first film I watched, which um, there's no subtext about this film. This film is a pure gay film called Knife and Heart made in 2018 with the ex-Mrs. Johnny Depp and Vanessa Paradis. It's a French film. And um, I have to say, this was one where the subtitle, <laughs> they didn't bother me, but it was a bad subtitle track where <laughs> the subtitles came off like really quickly before they would spoken and if you're having a conversation oh no <laughs> it was like it was like a bad spaghetti western but there was no dubbing so it was basically the answers were coming out before they were moving their mouth. i'm like okay well you just had to eventually you kind of you weirdly just got used to it um but this film i have to say i saw a trailer for it like a year or two ago and i thought it was and i remember just almost thinking going um it wasn't the fact that it was a gay film that put me off. It was the fact that it was about a gay porn making film film um, that I was just like, oh, that's a lot. Um, but I have to say I'm so glad I watched it because um, the, there was, it was set in 1979 and I have to say, just fashion-wise, it's re I don't have the director written down on this, but if you I would really recommend people look it up. Um it's almost like a giallo-based B film slasher um yeah so the whole I, i'll get into a bit more detail but basically long short of it is that there is a killer flashing his way through actors who are in gay porn films um and uh, so like that it's it's jello style but like a modern cinematography i have to say is beautiful there's a scene where um or there are scenes where uh, Vanessa's character, and she has these dreams, and they just do them in the uh, the negative. Is it when it's just black and white, uh, like negative print on the without color on the camera? I'm just trying to think. Oh my god, you can tell that everyone to film school or anything like that, and. <laughs> um, but anyway, so this film is set in the world of gay porn filmmaking. And we see as the film opens, that there's an actor in the nightclub, but we also, at the same time, it's a juxtaposition of the film, a film he's in being shown. So that's how you immediately know that this guy is an actor. Um, so he attracts the attention of a man wearing a mask. He's, he's in like a kind of a sober-dom nightclub in Paris. So the fact that there's a man in a mask isn't the weirdest thing you've seen there. Uh Um, So the masked man, he leads the the actor upstairs and they end up leaving the club and he brings him back to his room where he gets tied up. (laughs) And then the masked man has what looks like a dildo that he took out of his pants. But this ain't no dildo, Grace, because bam, it's a switchblade. Nice. I oh, know. Chris came in. I wasn't seeing. Like, what the fuck are you watching? Nothing about it bothered him. He's like, a switchblade dildo, like, seriously. And I'm like, well, it's inventive. Love it. Love it. So sadly, your man is tied up. He sees he's not gonna have fun with a dildo, but he ends up getting stabbed to death. And um then it just goes like immediately to the next scene where we have a woman running down to a payphone she looks like she's running from someone but this is Anne Vanessa Paradis character so she is basically the director she's the boss she's the creator of this of these gay porn films and and she calls Lois who's the editor and we also then immediately get the vibe that Lois and Anne used to be partners um but Anne was blackout drunk and she woke up and she's trying to say I don't know where I am like Lois is up late night um, editing together films. And um, she's like, oh, I don't know where I am. I need you, you need to come get me. And I just need to hear your voice to calm down. And you kind of get the vibe that it was Anne's like super drinking that kind of broke them up. Um, and then so like Lois is kind of like, you've got to stop bringing me, you, you you know, you've got to sort yourself out. This is why we couldn't be together. Um, So Anne is rooming with one of the guys called Archibald and he is an actor also like behind the scenes. Like it's one of those ones, it's kind of like indie films where obviously of the time, everyone was doing a bit of everything. Um, And so they get a call informing them when they're in the apartment of the death of Carl, who was actually got stabbed. And so Anne goes to the police station and she discovers that poor Carl was stabbed multiple times in the rectum. Oh, no. Oh, and, oh, yeah. And that's how he died. So let's just say the dildo was put to work, but in the worst way possible. Um, but instead of being like, she is obviously upset that this happened. However, Anne then gets an idea and she decides to make this situation into a new film about the murderer and the cops looking for the killer of the gay man um at first it's called of fury but later on the film is title is changed to Homicidal, oh. which I just thought was brilliant um so Anne she goes looking for um actors kind of like on a recruitment drive or literally around she kind of finds this like building site where people are just I know it was 1979 but it just seems so weird they were just like breaking down rocks I thought they were prisoners and you know the way you see all those chain gangs where all they do is like break rocks with mallets
0: Mm -hmm.
1: this is kind of what our sledgehammers but this is what they were doing but she gets this guy and she's like oh you look just like someone we used to have in our films and we do porn but sometimes there's not enough women so you might have to go with men and he's like I'm not gay she's like oh you never know you could really like it and then she's like look here's my card and you'll get paid like it's in francs but she's like I don't know a thousand francs a week or whatever and it's more than you'd get if you were working on this shitty building site and um, and then she goes back into the car with archibald and she was like because she just gets him to pull over the car and then she goes in like she is like as if she had like a a spark of genius and she runs off so then she goes to archibald and she's like oh my god this is what i'm gonna do i'm just gonna find the common man i'm gonna get these guys into our film i'm like i don't think you're gonna really get much luck with that just trying to troll for like hey you want to be in my film but we don't have a lot of women so it's gonna be men on men yeah I think that's up your alley and I was like that's a way to get punched <laughs> but basically she's like I'm going to impress Lois with the fine acting like the real earth and soul vibe I'm going to get from people I'm like it's also just porn so you know you know, not out for an Oscar um, and yeah. Yeah, so whilst it's back to the, the films that one of the actors demands his payments early because he's using them, he's a heroin addict and he's using the money basically to get drugs. And I think they're also saying like sometimes when they don't have money, they pay them in drugs. So it's kind of Anne's fault that they want drugs because ugh, she's, you know, was starting them out with that. Um, so then we see that the actor has used the money, bought drugs and he's kind of like in an abandoned building side area where there's a car he's sitting in. And then he he's high off of the heroin um, when the killer approaches because we know it's him because he's wearing the mask and he gets the guy to basically perform fellatio on the dildo but we know that that's a switchblade so I was literally going oh god and it does it goes through he let he opens it up so basically cuts the guy in the back of the throat and that's how he dies and uh, mm-hmm. so yeah so. Anne then states that they should continue filming even though like their actors are dropping like flies um, and she's trying to act like this. there's no connection like the guy died because he's on drugs and maybe it was a drug deal gone wrong and um, and the guys the, all the, the people who work in the film are in a bar when one a, a guy approaches who was a previous actor and he's now working as a sex worker and Anne tries to recruit that sex worker and all it they're, they're trans um and so Anne tries to recruit all of them but basically they all laugh at her because the money she offers them basically they get more of that giving someone a blowjob so she's like yeah go fuck yourself um so then it's kind of again like i said it's we are seeing them making homicidal and in the final scene of the film the killer is caught by the detective and by Archibald Archibald was playing Anne because Archibald has blonde hair as does Anne so he's playing like the the female version or the male version I suppose um of Anne but he's playing it as Anne so it's, it's actually quite funny um and, but anyway when they catch and kill the killer and they unmask him it's actually Anne and so uh they're basically you know like in the film saying oh it was a woman trying to get you know revenge and she was what are, and I was really hoping like is that going to mean anything by the end of the film uh, but it turns out it wasn't it was just her trying to be again it's Anne being in the film trying to impress Lois by now her acting skills um, so when they're rapping Homicidal they have a celebratory picnic um, and the, they managed to get some of the trans sex workers into the film Yeah. Um, so they then have a picnic so it's all the guys who are in the film like the people who work on sound and the cameraman and also then all the the trans sex workers they all come out um and the one who was the previous actor tells Anne that he can read pounds and that uh he tells her to pay attention to her dreams because it's another thing as I'm saying in the negative shots we see Anne having like dreams or flashbacks to like a barn on fire and someone being killed and set on fire like she's getting and you don't know, like I said, you don't know whether they're dreams. I think they are dreams or hers. like you're not sure if they're dreams or if they're memories. OK. Um, so uh, and also tells her to let go of the past. So Lois then arrives um, and a blackbird. Oh, yeah. So there's like this bird that kind of is at every death scene. And then the blackbird arrives on like Lois and show, them. And then my mother's like, oh, she gave Um, he did that an (laughs) omen oh yeah so a storm then kicks up out of nowhere and picnic everyone has to scatter so um Lois takes Anne into the trees and then she kisses her and then she's like oh no that was a mistake and um then Lois leaves and or she tells her she loves her but that she can't be with her um and then Lois then goes to because Lois went to like another underground um gay club And I'm just going to point out, when I say gay, I'm talking about LGBTQ+. I'm just kind of, it's just, that takes a lot to say. And I mean, no offense by it, I'm just saying gay in an all-inclusive sense. So Lois goes to a gay bar and previously in a different scene, like Anne had followed her there and saw her like hooking up with this other girl. So it's kind of like semi-stalking. So Anne goes to follow her just as Lois is about to go inside. And she tells her that she can't just say that she loves her and she's like, you know you're you're killing me from the inside. I need your love. Uh, without you, I'm nothing. And and then she like puts her hands around Lowe's throat, kind of semi-strangles her a bit, and then tells her that every part of her is hers. Like so she starts like grabbing her body parts. Then she basically sexually assaults her oh with the killer. Yeah. So it was uh, shocking, but it was also not a bad way, but a good sh- a film scene to show because just to say that like this happens inclusively to everyone well nothing ever happens there but like when you just think oh that would never happen to this kind of people to you know it, it definitely does and um, however the killer was watching they sense that someone was like nearby and Anne gets distracted and Lois basically gets the fuck out of dodge Um. we also saw in the the storm scene uh the guy who was reading Anne's Pam. he kind of got lost from everyone else and when they were running for cover and he gets stabbed in the back by the killer. So the killer was at the picnic and everything. And mm. um, so. Anne basically gets black drunk after this and then she wakes up asleep on a sofa in a bar and someone's like, you have a phone call. I'm like, how people seem to know where Anne is when she's getting black drunk and doesn't know where she is, but she must have her own haunts that she likes to go to. She's informed of the latest murder of at the guy at the picnic scene. And basically she goes to the cops and she, she wants answers at this stage. This is the third murder. And she says, like, do all her actors have to die before they do something about it? Um, the inspector basically tells her he can't give her any information as it's confidential and that he suggests that they stop filming. And this was, how say, a line I wanted to add into my notes because it was just, again, really annoying. He says to tell her little friends to stay quietly at home. Yeah. And I'm like, go fuck yourself. Um so Anne basically she Yeah, yeah, I'm like fucking bigger. But um Anne is just as she's about to leave and she's gone outside for a smoke, one of the other cops who was there and kind of threaded like taking notes in all the times that Anne had been at the police station as well. So he leaves and he follows her out and he tries to get her help and he's like, look, we've we've only got one clue. We've actually got nothing, nothing that ties these people together, apart from the fact that they're gay people who are dying at a you know a fast rate. So um, he gives her clue, and that's a bird feather. And we all know that there was a blackbird there. Um, and he's just, he's like, I like to collect things. Here's one of, from murder scenes. And I like what a blackbird. I know, and then I'm like, are you the killer? Someone who just collects stuff from murder scenes? And if you're not, why do you collect things from murder scenes? <laughs> I know, are they trying to say, like, in the 70s, it was like a... Do what you want. There's no such thing as evidence. Like, but wasn't it a case of like kind of
2: back then it was like, ah, look, we we put some tape over it, but like people have been traipsing in and out the whole time and sure, all the evidence yeah.
1: is gone. Lol. Yeah, like um you see, like they might grab something with a pen, but half the times they also grab evidence with their own hands and they're like, give me a bag, and they
0: put it in the bag I'm like, but you just touched it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I listened to a uh, mm-hmm.
2: podcast the last day and um, it was one of the case file ones mm-hmm. and it was a case where this woman's hair was found in the evidence but it was actually that the evidence was in the car then they arrested some other woman <gasps> but were in
1: the car as well <laughs> oh that's how I've often said, just like with that of the unfortunateness of that, that like I could be in so many crime scenes that I don't know about because my hair falls out all over the place and it, it travels. Yep. Um, but basically the cop also tells her that this like bird's feathers has been found at every murder scene. So you're like, does the killer have a bird on his shoulder like a goddamn parrot? Or is the birds just flocking to the area? So she then takes the feather back, uh, goes to her apartment with Archibald. Archibald's like, we can't get, no one wants to be in this film because Anne's kind of pushing a bit that they should keep trying and or, or, you know, should they take a break? But it's basically she's taking a break because no actor wants to touch them because they worry they're all going to die if they work with them. They feel like as if they're cursed. So she's like open up the phone book and he was like I know are we going to start like ringing for actors now and she goes no I want you to look up a pet store I want you to look up stuff about birds and like the feather the is like you know the way it's so black it's blue yes and so basically he holds it up and the light shines on it and it just highlights in some like it's like a medium woman and so and then goes this woman and she's like in some cool it looks like a almost like a pyramid-esque thing in a farce that looked really cool and then so she goes to her and she's like oh my grand-aunt died and we found this feather in like her trunk and we want to know anything you can tell me about it and then your one's kind of bit like "Mm, I don't think this is what you're here for but whatever and then she said my nephew will come help you and he just comes out of like nowhere and he tells her that this I can't remember quite the the type of bird it is but it's like some special mythical black oh yeah it's called a grackle and according to myth it was meant to have uh, absorbed death from dying people and would fly off to the sun to burn off the death but they'd fly too close and they'd go blind because you see the bird in each scene has got like that bluey thing around their irises so you know they're blind okay and um, so Anne asks then, like, do these birds actually live for real? And um, they were told she was told that there's like this forest and somewhere in France, away from uh, Paris, where it's it's rumored that they live, they still live in this forest. And um she also then keeps having these dreams in the the negative <laughs> image. Um yeah. And um, she's not sure if this is in the past or, you know, or if this is the past she's meant to let go. Uh, She just keeps having that dreams. So she uh, then goes on a train journey, like by herself to this forested area. Uh, Lois had given Archibald a letter where she wants. Basically, she wants Anne to read it, you know, like after she's gone for a bit. And in the letter, Lois tells her she's loved her for ten years. But in that moment outside the club, Anne had destroyed that love. And then Lois says she's going to finish editing Homicidal, but then she's going to leave. And Anne is like basically to never look for her again. Whereas like Anne gets collected or at the, the new the train station in this new place in a village area by a man who's also an innkeeper. And the man says he lives with his daughter. His daughter like the man's like I'd say in his seventies already. So his daughter's like in her forties. And he says, Oh, my daughter looks after me. And, um, but like the first night Anne's there, she tries to ring Lois, but Lois just doesn't answer the phone, probably known full well. If it's a call at a random time of night, it's going to be Anne. Yes. Um, so basically, the next day, the innkeeper's daughter knows where this forest is and it's going to take her there. And she's like saying to Anne, she goes, Oh, I'd love to go to Paris. I've only been there once when I a child. And I don't get to go out much. I have to look after my dad. And you're like, Wow, this woman is proper grown. And you just kind of feel sad for her because she doesn't get to go anywhere. And then the, I wasn't 100% sure if she was like trying to flirt with her a bit or if she was just so excited to be seen with someone who wasn't from the village. So Anne goes into the forest and she's like, the daughter's like, do you need, I think the daughter's name is Kathy and Kathy's like, do you want me to help you out? Or, you know, like he, you could get lost. And he's like, no, 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 no I can do this myself. I'm like, You've never been here before. But anyway, so Anne is like sitting in the forest and she's like, what the fuck am I going to do? I actually don't know why I'm here. Then she just starts to keep on going walking and she comes across this small graveyard. Um, and she sees that on one of the tombstones, kind of a newer one, the person's name is Guy. And Anne kind of immediately knows that this is someone who was in her flashbacks. Yeah. And... Um, Guy's mother is there, and she's basically like lost the plot. But she keeps putting flowers on his grave each day, and um, so she has a talk with her, and it's like the woman knows who Anne is. So then I'm thinking, going like, is Anne from that village? But she just she keeps getting so blackout drunk, she just doesn't remember. But they never give you anything on that. And um, but basically, she later on she gets collected by Kathy again. Um, after she went to the graveyard and then she goes back up to the inn and Kathy tells her that there was that Guy and another boy were killed in a barn fire 15 years ago. However, Guy's body was never found. So like, it was really hard for the parents. They managed to get him like buried. Like they had to get some special thing because there was no body. It's just that they wanted to have a grave to go to. Um, and uh, she leaves, Kathy would leave and with some newspaper clippings about the story um so and then rings archibald with a dream like, with a dream like intuition to make another film and to call all the actors um the film is called oh yeah the film is called hex rated um <laughs> i'm yeah. liking their titles it is it's just so like tongue-in-cheek and i'm like I, I i do get the vibe that like pornos and you know like when they really had like the cheesy titles i'm like I don't watch porn and I don't watch gay porn, but I'd like to think that they have got outrageous titles. Still.
2: Like I think it would be like, don't judge a book by its cover, but I think I would fully judge a porno by its
1: um It has to be a pun. Like if it's a parody or something, it has to have a sexualized pun. Like it has to. They just have to. They can't let these things go without it being said. I'd like to think.
2: Yeah. Sounds great.
1: Yeah. So we're, we now get a scene where it's just like at the start where something's happening to one character whilst we are also simultaneously being hex-rated being uh, filmed. So Lois is editing Homicidal. And whilst she's seeing the scene where Anne is walking through at the very end of the film after she's been unmasked, as the killer like and it's basically she's calling cut and that, that's the end of the film and, but the, the camera's still rolling Lois sees someone who's walking around in the background and it's the killer so the killer is literally there when that film was being recorded mm. um, and then there is uh, she rings a friend of hers and she's like you need to come pick me up now and then as soon as she is on the phone to her friend the parrot goes out but the power also goes out in hex rated so I'm not 100% sure if it's all been filmed in the one area um but I don't think it is I think it's like where it's been edited is a different location to where it's been filmed Lois discovers like through a slow build up tension scene that the reason why the power was because there were rats in the power box and they were like biting through the wires yeah and at the same time then like her friend is there to pick her up like you think it's the killer is going to be there but it's the friend um is there to pick her up um However, at the same time, while filming the hex rated scenes where they're turning, the, I think they're turning, instead of the power going off, they're turning the lights on and off um, in certain scenes. And then when the light comes back on, the killer's there and he's cut one of the actors' throats. Um, and then he starts like basically trying to kill off some people. And they're, because like the lights are also flashing on and off. So they don't worry. So everyone's kind of like split and run everywhere. Lois had made her friend bring her to where they were filming. And then so she tries to get, the killer is just about to go get Anne. And so Lois, he's like throwing a knife and Anne jumps in the way so that she ends up getting stabbed instead of Anne. And then she, like, as she's dying, she just tells her, you know, like, oh, I've always loved you. I will always love you. Um, And Anne is obviously just absolutely, like, beside herself. Yes, of course. So then she's obviously going through, like, the depths of depression. Homicidal has been... This is obviously sometime later, homicidal is out in like gay friendly cinemas. And Anne is actually like a renowned director. She'd been doing gay films for so long that like people know of her. So she's sitting in, and like some guy comes up to her and is like, Did you film? Da, 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 whatever. And he goes, You are amazing. And Anne's just like, She's getting drunk because she's constantly drinking throughout the film. She's got like, sunglasses on, she's getting drunk. She's like, I'm, you know, the love of my life was killed before me um and like the cops couldn't give a fuck um so also the guy who was recruited from the building site who wasn't gay who kind of did enjoy himself also is just so gosh darn happy that there's a film that he's in it that he goes to the cinema yeah. to watch it and people were like oh are you the i can't even pronounce the name because i know it's a french name but he's like are you this actor and he's like no but well, people whilst i was making this film kept saying i look just like this guy he used to be a previous actor who just either left the scene or whatever, but he's just not there anymore. Um, And then, yeah, the the builder guy, he kind of goes upstairs after the film, and it's basically like you... Some moment like after they pay, you get a, a torch and you basically the all the lights are off and you shine a torch in front of people, I suppose, until you find a guy who you want to hook up with and then you guys go off. It's a weird way of meeting up with guys and above the cinema, but the killer's there. Mm. And yeah, so Anne basically also, I don't know whether she sees something, but she I can't remember how, but she ends up going up there as well. And she sees that basically the killer is get, going to be caught. And he has a knife to a different person's throat. And he's like, stay away from me. And then she, she's like, you're guy. And it turns out she knows Guy's story now. So Guy was in the countryside, obviously, where uh, Anne went to. And he had a gay budding gay relationship with another boy from the village. Guy's dad found them in a compromising position in the barn. He castrated Guy, he stabbed him, he killed the other boy as well, and he set the barn on fire to um, cover his tracks. But Guy caught fire but didn't die. Oh. And basically, like, he stumbled off. And the premise of this is he went... I think he, he's telling that, so he ends up bringing the guy who he has with the knife to his throat and Anne and everyone else follows him downstairs and in front of the screening. So everyone now in the cinema and everyone is in the cinema is gay. So they're also aware that there is a gay killer and they see that that's who that is. Mm-hmm. He says to Anne, he's like, I, you know, I was in rehab. I went to a hospital and I didn't know anything about myself. And then I went off to go to Paris and then I saw this film and basically Anne realizes she filmed like three or four years before that, a a film that happened to be about a guy catching his son in a compromising scene, but considering it was a gay film, they ended up just in a threesome, which is questionable, because it's your man's dad. But that's probably the least for But he saw that, and it triggered a memory in him that that happened. So my whole question that I kept thinking at the end of this, how the fuck does Anne, how did she know about this if she had to go there? There's no inclination. told nothing if she was from the village if she'd read about it before like she goes knowing nothing about this person yeah so that's that's it she's like that's all I can think of well she basically knew about this somehow made the film and then the guy sees the film and he's like I'm a person in it but instead of it all going nicely I'm almost killed my boyfriend. It's very
2: like French art house film which it's so was. this is which kind of you'd kind of be like oh if it didn't end this way like it'd be weird mm.
1: like it, it I have to say it is a total it's so jello in the way of it being like detective noir style but also like campy and full sort of sex and all that sort of stuff yeah but missing a cool stint like soundtrack yes. <laughs> I have to say I was disappointed. once I realized that they were going for a jalo thing I was like but where's Goblin um, and <laughs> But anyway, uh, but the cool thing happens. Well, not, not cool. I you're not, but the people in the cinema are like, you are the killer. And then basically they all beat the shit out of him. And then someone comes up with a knife that guy had dropped and stabs him. And then he dies. Um, Your worst fear. Vigilante. I know. But if I was the killer, then I'd be like, well, you know, it's not like. A it had good a good
0: good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was going to happen at some stage. It was. It was. Yeah. Um, And then basically, like, that's that's how it ends. It just ends real beep. Like, you know, there was another film that was going to be coming out, like, as in the film, you know, it just keeps happening in the background where the film is. Oh, yeah. So we get the story of what happened to. Oh, yeah. That's it. So what happened to Guy, we get basically is after your man dead. And it's almost like it's a post theme, post credit scene, but it's not. It's like just immediately after. Um, we about how he lost his memory is Anne speaking she's narrating it oh.
0: um,
1: but basically like how uh, oh yeah so Guy basically after being caught on fire he stumbles into the forest where he's cared for by the birds he had lost his memory but ended up in Paris where he went to the film and saw that film and uh, but basically the character who was the builder his name is actually non, It's N-A-N-S and I don't know how you pronounce it it sounds like Nan. None, none, none. But basically, he's the guy who looked just like a previous actor who was in that film and he would have oh, been yeah. the last person that guy needed to kill to have been killing the people who but he couldn't kill him because he's like, You are the one representing the guy who was my boyfriend. So he just can not kill him, but yet yeah, that's how he ends up getting caught. Um so it, the, it's got like overall it is a very good film but it's got the weird pacing where it lulls a bit and then I mean it goes oh, yeah. ball, balls at all yeah yeah for like the last 10 minutes and you're just a bit like I didn't see it coming because I just thought that this was going to peter out slowly or whatever or I was like well how do we find out who the killer is like what's going on and obviously because Guy was castrated by his dad that's why he has the dildo but uses it as a weapon and um, it is like you get it like, like all the characters are three-dimensional like they're fully fleshed out i find like and and jesus christ anne is not the protagonist and it's like she's a blood character and um, and like obviously the film has its own controversial scene but yet apart from it being in the letter that lois Sent to Anne saying that like she destroyed their love in that terrible act, and also Archibald was saying, you know, he's like, "Oh, Lois told me what happened, and like, you you need to stay." What he's like, I think, sensible, like just give her some time to calm down, or like, you know, lay low. And I'm like, it was a sexual assault. I don't know if she'd ever get over it. Yeah, but um, maybe I was thinking, is that like a sign of the time? where back in maybe the 70s if this happened which I'm sure it happened to many people frequently but it was just like you bury it there's no point bringing it up or going to the cops or doing it especially I suppose if you're a gay person you don't want any involvement in that at all and um, so yeah I, I feel it was for a film that built up a lot of story it had a really quick finale um, which was just a bit of a disappointment in how it ended very abruptly, but overall, I think it was—I think it was a very good film. That is brilliant. Which I have just, you know, spoiled the shit out of for anyone who does want to watch it. Yeah.
2: It sounds really confusing, so I even feel that you probably could go and watch it because,
1: yeah, and also it has some like really dreamy scenes not her actual dreams but as in dream like you know like someone's put Vaseline over the the camera like it's it's a real real 70s style like you could be forgiven if you thought that this was filmed in the 70s that's
2: that's quite cool as well that they were able to get that style
1: yeah yeah I have to say it was done really well um that is brilliant oh, what's your film
2: so I'm gonna talk about my film second yeah. Um I watched a uh video on YouTube by James Somerton and it's Monsters in the Closet, a history of LGBT representation in horror cinema, a video essay. Oh. So with this, I I suppose the thing is I kind of find it, and it's funny, we were like through work, we had like this amazing Pride Month. That was planned by our um, pride committee, who um, one of our very good friends is um, a part of and really champions. And on the back of it and just through work and our work, we were talking about inclusivity and diversity and stuff like that and how to really improve it within our work. And I was saying sometimes I actually feel a bit strange as a straight white woman talking about any struggles that might come with um, anyone part of the LGBTQAI plus community. And um, I always get scared to talk about it because I'm like, am I qualified? Like, am I going to say the wrong thing? And I think the thing is, as well, if there was ever something that I would say, I'm kind of like, hopefully that somebody would come to me and be like, actually, this is a really good opportunity to educate you on this. This isn't the way that we talk about it. This is actually the way we talk about it. Or we no longer use this terminology, Mm -hmm. use this terminology. This is why we don't use it. And this is why we do use it. So I was really interested to kind of try and find some good representation within um, horror and also to kind of learn about the bad representation, because there were some um, that I didn't realize. And it, like when you Google like LGBTQAI plus movies, horror movies, like a list of movies will come up. And as a person who's not in that community and as a person who wouldn't understand possibly the struggles that would be associated with those movies at those times, I'm never going to be able to like properly turn around and say, Oh God, yeah, actually that is really problematic. Whereas Mm. we'd be able to look at something and go like for, for want of a better kind of, compromise be able to look at the overlay overtly sexualization of women within horror and kind of the brutal brutality that is put against women in horror and then it's this whole thing of where we would kind of say that it's like this male kind of like dominance over women and all this stuff whereas that's something I can understand Um, Whereas this something I don't know that much about. So I definitely want to educate myself more. And I was really interested. So I was Mm. really, really happy to find um, this creator who is part of this community himself. And also spoke about it um, so well. And I'm sure there is so much more. I'm sure there's so many like scholarly essays and stuff like that. I'm not a reader, so... I won't be reading them and that's not out of ignorance that's actually just out of knowing myself um so when I find somebody has put it into a video essay I'm like oh thank you thank you so much I really appreciate this um so basically he starts off and he's talking about um how he started to watch horror movies and then when he uh, came out to his family and became part of the queer community he realized that actually horror movies have like such a following within this community and like like the the well-known horror and the middle horror and the like indie horror and he was like obviously it's not like a given that if you are part of this community you're just going to love horror. But he was like, it was something that I found that often there was that connection. Um, so he talks about how the horror kind of genre and this community have always been connected, going back to kind of Gothic authors. So the likes of Matthew Lewis and uh, William Thomas Beckford were both um homosexual writers, Gothic writers. Um, and there is this comparison there that there was although they couldn't openly talk about being gay or in a homosexual relationship and he actually says partly because that terminology wasn't around then Mm -hmm. um and it's that's something I never thought of I was like oh god it's mad to think that like those words were invented after you know these people were writing,
0: um, yeah.
2: So it's it's even like little things like that. I was like, oh wow, okay, this is so different. Um, but that they were kind of talking about. They were almost kind of and what you were talking about earlier, where it was kind of like you were almost alluding to stuff.
1: Yeah, it was like all through so text. Like,
2: hide in the shadows and like you know you might be scared of something and where it, like it went to a really dark area like when the like AIDS became like when you know sorry <laughs> words are not working
1: during um, the AIDS was epidemic a,
2: I suppose yeah yeah and when this was a very real um and like very scary time I am um, for the uh for this community as well and like when then there was this kind of like fear of blood within mm-hmm. horror movies and stuff like that and it just made you kind of think i was like god it's they, they really were attacked from every corner um and it seems that like the really old movies like the likes of as he called them like the grandfather of movies of horror so going back to like the likes of frankenstein and stuff like that so he compares frankenstein the movie and frankenstein uh, by mary shelley he says that in the book and uh, <laughs> going on what i've just said haven't read it um in the book he's a lot more kind of i suppose fluid and um there's probably more subtext within his character he's married he has absolutely no interest in his wife he just wants to make this perfect being he wants to be able to create life on his own without
1: the help of a woman
2: a partner yeah he's like i want to be able to do this I want to be able to produce life and have this Adonis as well, which is what obviously in Rocky Horror Picture Show,
0: mm-hmm.
2: they are able to emulate with Frankenfurter and he's an absolute right. But with this, the Frankenstein's monster is not. And he's very much like, get him away from me. Mm-hmm. He's hideous. Wah. But then when they went on to make the film and we were talking about this earlier, it's funny that the director of this film was gay. He's part of the community himself. But they said that actually comparing the two, he was a lot more suppressed. Now, it was never kind of said within the book that he was openly gay or that he was obviously not openly gay if he's in a heterosexual related, like marriage with his wife, but that he was gay in a marriage. Um, but in the film, it talks about they kind of talk about the fact that he is like way more interested in his wife mm. and um, the wife is actually quite a central character. So the wife is there when uh, Frankenstein's monster is brought to life. Um, and it's almost kind of like he's not gay. He's not. He's definitely not because <laughs> all of these things are leading to him not being gay they also talked about um he also talked about uh, oscar wilde's short story that would go on to be dorian gray and this was kind of seen that dorian gray was a very kind of feminine man and even to the sense that at one stage he falls upon his like chaise lounge and like buries his head and it's very emotional. And they were kind of like it's that feminine aspect of that would have been seen within films where the woman would fall and be like, oh, my God, this is happening. But this was a man who was doing it. And again, not openly gay, but there is definitely a feeling towards that Dorian Gray was part of this community or Mm -hmm. very feminine and that this was leading people to think that he was later on with the and there's always the kind of comparison with I suppose vampire movies that it's always been a little bit more fluid and like way more acceptable and like it's like and I suppose in this way and I don't know is this the type of thing is it actually a little bit more not not offensive isn't the word I'm trying to say but it it may be um but it's the type of thing where they've taken it and they've gone but it's sexy in this instance it's okay in this Mm -hmm. instance and it's really sexy but it's not okay in the other instances so it's kind of like is that actually a bit of a slap in the face I don't know I could be picking that out of the sky, um. But it's always kind of been something where you will see these incredibly attractive vampires,
1: mm. <laughs> and
2: it's always been very fluid. They spoke in particular about uh, Dracula's daughter again. Yeah, not a like totally openly gay character, but very much leaning towards more towards a lesbian character than had been seen before. And it was very much kind of like no would and poo pooed by the like the people who had the power at the time. And they were very much I think it was almost like like the the UK kind of marketing on this, like was short of kind of being like lock up your daughters. There's a lesbian yeah. in town kind of thing. Um, and it was seen as quite a scandal. Then you went on to other movies where you had th- this one actually kind of reminded me of the movie that you were talking about, but um, it got a lot of uh, backlash. And in fairness, it got a lot of backlash. It, I feel totally rightly now. I feel totally rightly after watching this documentary, well, not documentary, this um, this talk by uh, James. There was a movie with Al Pacino in 1980
1: called Cruising oh
2: no! yeah so it is a psychopathic sorry a psychopath is uh, scouring New York City gay clubs and viciously say is slaying homosexuals detective Steve Burns Al Pacino is ordered to don leather attire hang at the city's <laughs> S&M joints which James calls leather bars and I was kind of like, oh, I never knew that term before. It's like, OK, cool. And Sorry to interrupt out.
1: you for one second. Um, did I ever tell you about uh, my gran and how she misheard how lesbians were called? No. So this just ties in all what you're saying. So I'll be real quick. So my gran, um, the, the derogatory term for lesbians is lezers. Uh, my gran had heard that wrong, but basically she was talking to possibly my mom or one of my aunts, like one of her daughters, and was basically saying, "You know those leathers," and they were like, oh. "She was like, what? And you know the women with the women?" and she was like, the leathers. So, I know it's absolutely an awful thing to say, but sometimes if there's talk about lesbian people, like within my family, and we do not mean any disrespect, but we're like, "Oh, the leathers." <laughs> It's just because, God bless my grand, she of, heard it wrong.
2: Yeah. It's always one of those ones that you have by like a granny or a mom and you're like,
1: oh, bless her. Don't yeah. say that out loud. No, no. <laughs> um, I, I'm only saying this because we're all amongst friends. I'd imagine anyone who's still listening to us at this stage is either a new friend or an old friend, but you're all my friends. So just know it was my grand misheard. Yeah. And God bless her. Yes.
2: Um. So, yeah, he dons leather attire and he hangs out at a uh, city's S&M joints and keeps an eye out for killers. But as Steve becomes immersed in the club hopping, he begins to identify with the um subculture more than he expected.
1: Ooh, still yeah. full of, you know, question marks. With- yeah.
2: So there's a lot of homophobia in the movie. Oh god. Um, and um yeah, so the police force's homophobia becomes apparent and the killer remains at
1: large. Shocker.
2: So um I don't know that you will be shocked to know or to hear this, Emer, but there were heavy protests
1: by the really? community. for this
2: movie. I thought they'd
1: love being yeah. represented like that.
2: It's also a movie that I don't think Al Pacino really kind of promotes as being in. Um, it was, this was very much seen as that this community and it's it's what you were talking about with the Hayes kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that they were just being portrayed as these lunatics and that also if you were if you were going to these, like, bars, that there was something wrong, which is absolutely, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it.
1: Yeah, um, it's like they were also saying, for them, a gay club may as well have been an SM club. Like, there was no difference between that two them. And I think it's also, like, because some gay people in the 80s and still to this day might wear, like, leather kind of thing. Yeah. So it's it's just a bit of fashion. It's not necessarily saying, like, I'm a Dom or I'm a sub, you know, it's just a it's a fashion statement, but they just seem to just think that yeah, gay people it, are into that, like it's seedy it's, I'm not saying that it even is. It's just
2: picking the stereotypes and running yes. with it. am hundred percent So this was very heavily protested, and it was very much like you have to start representing us in a positive, in the positive light that we are. Yes. And so it's not it, this isn't what we're doing. We're not going out and going to bars and then just picking people off. It's yeah. not happening. It's, it's like, it's not our Saturday night. Please stop portraying it as our Saturday night. They went, then went on to uh, the likes of the oh, the vampire movie, The Lost Boys.
1: Mm, oh, yeah.
2: So they spoke about it. And again, it's something I actually never thought of because I was like, but like, none of them are gay and then he was like there's one girl in the group star who goes kind of by the wayside later on it's all he, about the boys yeah he was like at the time gay men would uh, pierce their ears as a sign that when they were out that they were available to hook up with
1: somebody and yeah I heard that it's like if you wear it on the if you wear an earring in a certain lobe
2: Yes. And I think and I could be totally wrong, but I think it was the left side. But all of the Lost Boys had the right side. And he was kind of saying, like, it's like, Ooh, oh, they have it in the wrong ear. They're definitely not gay. And he was like, yeah, OK. Um, And then they spoke about as well, the movies that you're going to be talking about. Uh-huh. So the second uh, Nightmare on Elm Street
0: uh-huh. and
2: how they director had always kind of been like no it's definitely not that way but then retrospectively it was kind of like yeah I can kind of see where people are yeah
1: like the writer of the script is gay and he was like this is how I can get this across you know the actor was um he was actually in the closet at the time and he was like this was triggering
2: yes yeah then they talk about a movie that I had never thought of as problematic until I watched this And was Mm -hmm. kind of like, oh, wow. okay. I never thought of it this way. I never understood about it this way. And it was just amazing when you kind of look at it with a different angle and you go, oh, I can totally understand why people would find this problematic. Mm -hmm. And this would be upsetting for somebody. So it's Silence of the Lambs. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah, 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 yeah.
2: So they talk about and again, this was heavily protested and the director was actually very upset about it because he used to make movies about marginalized people the whole time. And he kind of was like, no, 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 you're totally taking it up the wrong way. That's that's not what was meant. And I think the whole thing was it may not be what was meant, but this is the way it's being taken by in the mainstream do you know so you need to like all
1: trans people are psychopathic murderers where it was just like bill couldn't buffalo bill basically didn't know what he was thought he was gay thought he wanted to be a woman you know he just wants to try and find a new identity
2: this is the thing so there's a kind of conflicting thing about it right so the way the director talks about it he says look we were we never meant him to be part of this community it was just that Mm -hmm. this was so far from what he was and he so did not want to be who he was he just went to the opposite spectrum of it Mm -hmm. and that he was kind of like doing this and it's not you know that's not what he's doing at all and it was like yeah but you have to understand it's definitely the way it's come across yeah and then there was also thought that when Clarice Starling is talking to Hannibal And he's like, no, I was his psychologist or psychiatrist. And he always said that he was a woman, but he wasn't. He just wasn't, you know, he was just mad. Mm -hmm. And then Mm. that is coming across as quite transphobic because if somebody is saying, no, I am a woman, I'm a trans woman. And then for somebody to be like, nah.
1: Mm." Yeah, you're just crazy.
2: Yeah, they were like, that's incredibly harmful. Because you know, the amount of guts it, it would take
1: to actually say that, like, loud going, I think I've been born the wrong gender, like yeah. to finally yeah.
0: say
1: out, right. out loud for someone, a psychiatrist to go, oh no, you just yeah. got a mental illness.
2: Yeah. You're just, no, you're just, you're just a mad murderer. Yeah. Do you know? So it's funny. I just never saw it in that lens. And when I saw when I mm-hmm. saw it in this lens, I was kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. I can see that. I can and, get that. Yeah,
1: you could eat. You. It's like, it's one of those ones that you have to like watch and really like get into the nitty gritty because on the surface, you're just like, it's a man. First he's gay, now he's a trans woman and, and she can't make her mind up as to what she is, but she's also a killer. Um, yeah. but and like, I go, is, mm-hmm. no, go on, sorry. I was just going to say like, it's one of those ones where you have to look at it further and further, like almost in a film, like college class or whatever, where you're like, this man had no identity like if you look at it in small details he had like a bed spread with a swastika on it like obviously this man was going for groups he was trying to find a new identity he didn't like who he was yeah so he and was I honestly trying to ju- like to join any group throughout the years
2: yes but I think the thing is that the point and I could be wrong but I think the point was that not everybody is going to be critically looking at this and understand no, it. Oh, of
1: course way. not. You watch a film just to like go yeah. and watch it. And
2: as, as much as I can go now after that like hour thing that I watch that I can go, God, I really see where the issues are there. Like I, like I very surface level see where the issues are there. And it's the type of thing that... I myself have never struggled with that. So although I can empathize and not fully empathize because I need to educate myself a bit more, but you can sympathize with it. Like I could never watch that and go, God, like that's so shit that they would portray this like I, I think remember like the
1: book was written in the 80s and it came out in the in the early 90s and it was still of a time where all of that wasn't even looked into in great great detail. No, it was,
2: no not at all. And I like, guess very
1: it, surface level.
2: Yeah, a hundred percent. But I, I can totally get where it's coming from. Like I remember watching there was a film with Channing Tatum, and he his wife is on. Jude Laws in it as well and his wife is on antidepressants and she sleepwalks and she kills the husband and they're trying to kind of say that the antidepressants that she was on this could have been a side effect Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and I was like that's at the time I was very depressed I was very on antidepressants and I was like that's like such a harmful thing Mm -hmm. and to me I was like Like I was in the midst of it, like I was in a pretty bad place. And I was like, oh, my God, is that something I could do? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was completely my mind fucking me over. I can objectively go, no, it was a movie. It was a plot line. It was. But I really was like, this is a dangerous plot line. Mm -hmm. Whereas I fully understand that this is a dangerous plot line for that yeah. community and yeah. it was just something that I never thought thought of and I was talking to Carrie and Mark today and I was like oh my god and she was like I've never thought of it that way either I am um, so it was just amazing to kind of see that representation within Hollywood and kind of that where it was and unfortunately there wasn't a huge amount of like positive representation um and I was just like oh no I am um, so it, but it was great to be able to watch it and start to understand and kind of yeah. go, I need to know more about this. I need to learn more about it. Um, so I would highly, highly recommend Monsters in the Closet, A History of LGBT, Representation in Horror Cinema, a video essay by James Somerton. And you will find it on YouTube.
1: Well done. Um. I decided to look for my final film. As I said, it was Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. And it's one of those ones where you say it's it's problematic. Definitely now looking at it, looking back at it, it is also a shit film. (laughs) So it's got nothing going for it. Um, And it's shit in the sense that right off the bat of like this was this was started filming five months after the release of Nightmare on Elm Street this was Nightmare on Elm Street was 84 this was released in 85 they were like oh my god this is the hit let's keep going going. yeah Wes Craven was not the director of this yeah he Um, he bowed out didn't he yeah because it was just like I think when they were like it's not going to be Freddy it's going to be Freddy trying to take over someone's body that he was like "Mm, no one of the good, uh, one of the few good attributes about this film was that someone who had worked on the prosthetics and special effects in it, um, he had changed Freddie's look to make him like the nose was more hook nose and the eyes were more sunken in. And it kind of gave him almost a bit more of a witchy look, which was mm-hmm. a, just actually a really cool Freddie mask for him to be wearing in it. But it's almost like Silence of the Lambs in with, you know, Hannibal Lecter. Like Freddie is not in this film for much in the beginning and then he comes in for like the final scene and then that's it he's like hey yeah it's like special appearance you know
2: that, um, do you ever see that video on like tiktok or um instagram it's like ding dong
1: yeah Bam. yeah that's that's almost it especially at the end because he manages to like there's a scene where he's basically about to go on like a murder spree um or a slasher spree at the end at like a pool party and you can just tell that basically he got propelled up from like underneath in the wherever they were filming it because he just jumps up and he's like hash, 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 hash. <laughs> and he's just like this it's jumping the shark of films and just like oh my fucking god where did you come from what's happening I love so, so much. he's so fucking weird it, it and, and do you know what this film missed more Freddy, it yeah. didn't. It didn't get to build the suspense of how you had in the first Nightmare on the Street where he's like constantly getting you in your dreams or anything like that. It's it's I'm true. Sure right? I said Friday the Thirteenth earlier. Oh, I'm calling it like Freddy the Thirteenth because at this stage it's like Freddy the Thirteenth, a nightmare on Halloween. I just tro- it's like Halloween three, but actually also a shit film. Yeah, I just throw all these films in together and that's just because I know slasher's not my thing, but I am getting into them, but I still always I think it's because it's Friday the thirteenth. Okay, that's three. Nightmare on Elm Street. That's four. Okay, but still, I think it's because it's a few words in the title. I just mix them up. I don't I know always, why my brain does this.
2: I always mix up the two, the names. And I know in my mind what I'm oh, talking absolutely. about, but my, my image this. is
1: like, oh, You're... I'll
2: take it from here two very very different films but i will always call friday the 13th um nightmare on allen street and I will, and vice, always, yeah
1: vice versa, i'll actually
2: yeah. always call nightmare on Elm street friday the 13th always yes
1: yes always <sighs> nightmare on friday, on friday street and yeah. um, so basically this film is based around jesse and it kind of starts with jesse's having a nightmare that freddie krueger uh, took control of the school bus, and actually, the driver of the bus when he's in normal base is Robert Unglund. England. England, um, England. I actually himself. think it's like—is it pronounced just England? I, it goes L-U-N-D. Yeah, so it's like England. I
2: always used to do England, and then I heard somebody saying it, and it was just Robert England,
1: and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. oh. See, I'm I trying to go deep with way. the U. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's L Robbie. So he is guiding like the bus sans makeup. So, because I was like, he looks familiar. And then it wasn't until I was like reading trivia up on it later going, it was him. Because you don't really get to see him. They purposely like, don't show him. Yeah. So basically, um, he's on the back of the bus. It's like, he's a bit of a dweeb. Everyone's mocking him. Two girls are laughing at him. Himself and the two girls in the end are like the last they get off. But then they drive past their stop, and then he drives in into the desert and then it basically all breaks ways so where it's like hell underneath and then freddie's now the driver and is so it's just yeah that's his nightmare like nothing happens but he just wakes up covered in sweat and then but his family are like downstairs having breakfast and his sister says why can't he have normal dreams like everyone else so you kind of get the vibe of the family know that he's been having nightmares but they totally like brush it under the carpet um so then Jesse goes to school. He car well, he drives it someone who obviously lives nearby to school. And then so he's uh in PE or sports with another guy who I thought he was like a bully to him because he pants him when they're playing baseball. But it turns out that they're like friends. Okay. But, uh I don't know what macho teenage guy friends are like. So, cause you know, I'm a girl. So I'm just going to be like, yeah, okay. They're actually friends. So him and Ronnie are kept behind by their coach. And I'm just going to say, I'm sorry. Jesse has just recently moved to Elm Street. Um, yeah. And, uh, and so he's
2: living in Nancy's
1: house. Yes. Yeah. But basically it's one of those ones where you get the vibe that he's got to be in someone's house. But the thing is. This is filmed, year, or it's like, I don't know when this is meant to be set because no kid knows anything about murders, about Nancy, um, about Freddy Krueger, like nothing, uh, which probably goes to show how the whole point is that Freddy doesn't have any power to actually come into the real world and he needs Jesse, he needs to possess Jesse's body to do the killing for him. Yeah. So maybe it's because no one knows about it as they go into it, like Freddy versus Jason when Freddy, you know, no one's afraid of him. So he doesn't have the power to kill people. In so one of the later
2: movies, though, they've all lost memory of it. I don't know if that. I,
1: I think, think they did it in Freddy really versus talk. Jason because they were basically. He had to he was using Jason to kill people to get afraid and then try and say, oh, it's Freddy. So people would remember who he was.
2: And I think, like, all the kids in the time were, like, in it. It's a very loud dog. Bark,
1: bark, bark. I am. Yeah, yeah I like, think... all the kids, they, they were, like, drugged by their yeah. parents so that they'd forget. Yeah. Don't try. Um, yeah, I have to say, I actually didn't hate Freddy versus Jason. No, neither did I. Yeah, I, I'm I'm all for it. Like, what was it? Someone was there, I was watching some sort of like listicle on YouTube and it was there saying of like, films that ended a franchise and they are like, Jason X. I'm like, excuse me, that was one of the best films in that franchise. How dare you? <laughs> Jason in space. You know, get your head out of your ass. Yeah. Um, so getting back to this film, uh, Jesse and Ronnie are speaking about the coach and he's like, oh, he's such a hard ass. And then Ronnie, who's obviously been living there long enough, he's just like, Oh yeah, he gets off on this punishment, and actually, people have said that they've seen him going to S and M clubs. And um, so you're like, okay. And um, so later, uh, Ronnie is talking to Jesse about where he's living, and he says that the the he mentions briefly about the home to Jesse. He's like, some girl went crazy after seeing her boyfriend get killed, but like that's it. That's all. Like that I said. Okay. And um, he then has another nightmare where. Freddy Krueger at this stage now tells him that he needs Jesse's body to do killing for him and the whole point is like the house is also like really hot like Jesse is waking up in a goddamn pool of his own sweat Um, and then so uh, Jesse is then in another scene with his new friend Lisa who he carpools with and she's helping him clean his bedroom but she walks in on him doing like this really lame like white men can't dance style dances he's trying to like montage clean up his room but he's just like checking things into doors because it's dad's like we moved in here a while ago and you still got boxes in your and you can't leave the house to be with your friend until you clean up so in the end like Lisa comes over like there's a sign on his bedroom door that's like no outsider girls but the outsider was added so it's like no girls allowed kind of thing and you're just like there was all these little things and um, also there's like in the in his wardrobe there's a red and green sweater and you're like, like two sweaters put on top of it with a red and green, I think in one of them, I can't quite remember, but there's so many little nods. Like the props that were used in this film were brilliant. But um, it's kind of, it's very uh, effeminate dance. Like Jesse was apparently called like one of the original scream queens because later on in the film, he does the scream and it's the most high-pitched scream Ever so like he was dubbed one of the earlier like uh, and the only male scream queen. I think he said was there a guy with a high-pitched scream in prom night
2: oh no <laughs> no his scream is more like Ugh.
1: ah never mind but I can't no, wonder, there is another <laughs> horror film where there's like some guy has a high-pitched scream but I just can't think of what it is mm. <laughs> So basically Lisa then helps him clean his bedroom properly so you can see like the, the female element where they're actually folding stuff away they're getting through the boxes properly but they discover up in the wardrobe that there is a diary left behind and it's Nancy's diary and um, which that's the only time we figure out not only is Jesse living on in Elm Street but he's in Nancy's like he's in her bedroom like he's in her house and um, he keeps complaining of the heat in his bedroom and that night uh when he wakes up in his room he's like he's seeing everything melting he goes down to the basement where there happens to be a furnace and is where he saw freddie in his previous nightmares and in that furnace he then finds Freddy's glove Freddy then appears and tells jace uh jesse to try on the glove and kill for him and um the next day he like he's very open with lisa like he tells lisa like all about his dreams like this guy dinner with you know the knives on the gloves and she doesn't like she or anyone else don't seem to know anything about freddie Krueger. um and but yeah at this age, they're more interested in lisa's having a party like in an upcoming event and you know who's going to go to and what are they going to do um so desi then later on that night he completely struggles to sleep like he's afraid to sleep so he goes out like for a walk in the rain in his pajamas and he ends up walking like he's only a teenager in in high school he walks into like some dive bar Turns out it's like a dive bar kind of like SM and m leather bar again at the time the way that they were being portrayed you didn't know what like it didn't look like like a dive bar then as you start to see more of the patrons in leather gear like is this an mess member? like is this also is it a gay bar what is this and um, he meets his coach who happens to be dressed in leathers and he's like oh I caught you here you're in trouble now and then there's a scene where like Jesse's like running la- and I wasn't sure if this was just one long dream but it turns out it's not and mm. um, but Jesse's then like running laps inside the gym And, like, the coach is watching. was like, right, you've had enough. Hit the showers. And i was like, oh, no. Stop running, running, Jesse. Yeah. Run the Take your top off. Um, But anyway, then, as Jesse is showering, the coach, like, I don't know whether this is. It's it's such a hard thing to, like, the coach then starts to take out some equipment. And he's got, like, a skipping rope that he's going to use as, like, a whip um and then it looks like as if freddie Quirker's is going to save him from like the dominatrix or these air quotes or you know their version on the gym teacher and he like beats him up by sports equipment that just starts flying out of the uh, lockers and then he the gym teacher gets brought into the showers with like Jesse's like what the fuck is he just sees him being dragged in dragged in with like the skipping ropes he needs to drag his arms in and then it ties him up and um Freddie then shows up in person and kills the teacher by like just like flashing at his back, but obviously he then he dies from it. And then Jesse then looks down at his hand and he's wearing the glove. And then he does like a high pitched scream. Um, and then, but then the cops just bring Jesse home. And I, I in my mind, I was like, oh, he's been busted for murdering the teacher. But no, it's like, oh, we just found him wandering around outside and we're taking him home and his dad immediately thinks he's on drugs um, and like he's like just tell me who are you getting it from and he's just like fuck off I can't <laughs> sleep there's some man trying to make me kill people I think this happened in this house before no one believes me it's fucking balls hot in this house and no one's doing anything about that either like his dad is just he won't look into i you were know, kind of using it as a symbolism for like hey parents were treating kids who were possibly gay in like the 80s where the man is being supportive, but it's like almost false support. He's like, he needs to see a therapist. There's something wrong with him. And the dad's like, no, he's on drugs. He just needs to man up and, you know, uh, get it. You know, he needs a kick up the ass and then he'll be fine. Like that was the attitude. There was no in between. Um, and yeah. the next morning when Jesse's going to school, the dad is like putting up railings outside of Jesse's room. And that's when the mom says that he needs to go see a therapist, and his dad says that he just needs to kick up the ass or go to a methadone clinic. Um, and so that day in the school, the cops are all over the school because the gym teacher got murdered. Um, and Jesse's like, holy shit, that actually happened. And um, so he hears Freddie's glove like that night moving around in his drawer, and Freddie again telling him to kill for him. Um, so the next day like jesse over breakfast is there saying like did something weird happen in this house some of the kids of school are talking about it and then the dad's like uh yeah yeah okay there might be something happening here but come on guys how do you think we we're going to get this house for such a good price like the dad's an asshole knowing that like there was murders happening in this house on that street and he's like but it was you know got the house for a steal and uh, so the dad's just, like completely burying his head in the sand and um, jesse then tells lisa basically about all his dreams about the coach and he's like i don't know if i did it but it was so vivid and i feel like if i did do it and Lisa's like oh, you know don't feel guilty it was just a dream you couldn't have actually done it and then she's like maybe you're just picking up some psychic vibes from the house <laughs> and they drive to an old power plant and that's where freddie Krueger used to work lisa's obviously like she'd done some research into it she has this uh, newspaper article which was states freddie's times again I get the vibe that she kind of grew up in that area and she knows nothing about it. Like, she had to research this. And Lisa hopes that by bringing Jesse to this power plant that it's going to, like, give him another spike kick connection. Um, then also, like, there's just all these little little scenes, like, popping up without anything leading up to it. Jesse is in his room with his sister and she wakes up and he's like, go back to bed. And as he's, like, shushing her about, you know, like, pet her, on the arm or whatever he sees he's wearing Freddie's glove and so he gets the why that Freddy was obviously trying to convince him was he was asleep to kill his sister mm-hmm. um, and so he tells Lisa the next day that he legit thinks he's losing his mind like he doesn't want to sleep he starts seeing the stuff that Nancy was doing he's drinking a lot of coffee he starts looking like shit because he's not sleeping and then he starts taking like some caffeine tablets um, and so then we have it's Lisa's party um, but Jesse's just acting like a little miserable git and he's like in a this like little I think it's called a canteen I don't know what it's called but it's basically like it's like a little hush kind of when you've got your own pool area because I'm not rich or American so I never had my own swimming pool um but it was like this little sunroom. And so he's just like hiding out in there and he's like, I'm just going to go. No one wants me here and, and I can't sleep and I'm losing my mind. I don't know if someone's trying to get me to become a killer. He's trying to get in me and you're like, this is man trying to get in me. And I'm like, okay, I'm definitely getting the gay like subtext. I do Yes. Yeah. Um, so Lisa tries to like get him to talk to her and she says that she'll stay up night, all night with him and make sure that he stays safe. And so then they, they start kissing and but then as the kind of party like turns up a bit raunchy there because at the same time Jesse's parents or sorry Lisa's parents who had been there at the party they go upstairs they go to bed and as soon as like the light goes off they're like right time to party I'm like you're only in the parents back garden they can hear everything but like booze comes out and it all just goes a bit raunchy so as they are kissing basically Jesse's tongue turns into Freddy's tongue yeah and yeah and so he freaks out and he just like legs it and he runs over to Ronnie's house and he's just like I need you to help me. I need to save like I was like turning to kiss Lisa and then this you know I feel like as if the guy who's inside me wants to try and kill her and he's like I need you just to, to believe me. I, I feel like as if I killed a coach and I didn't but I need you to stay up with me all night because what was it Ronnie says this line is like you had this girl like a sure thing where she wanted to sleep with you and instead you want to spend the night in my room and so obviously you're getting the vibe like does Jesse like Ronnie more than he likes Lisa um but anyway Ronnie capitulates and he says yeah look come here I will you're you're freaked out by your dreams and you're not sleeping I'll stay up with you and I'll watch over you um But then, obviously, like Ronnie, like everyone, like with Johnny Depp in the first uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, he falls asleep. Um, And it's at that moment, Jesse then falls asleep and completely just stands up. And he's now got the glove in his hand. And, but at the same time, Lisa is freaking out with a friend of hers saying, you know, like, he left me and, but I love him. And, but there's something wrong with him. And so the friend's like, go to him. go find him. Yeah so Jesse basically wakes up telling Ronnie that something's wrong and then it's just really good um special effects where it's Freddy's like face is coming out of Jesse's stomach and chest and then he like rips through the skin and then Freddy pops out and then basically as Ronnie is like banging on the door to get out because it's locked from the inside and he's like trying to wake up his parents his parents are trying to break the door in from the other side and and basically Freddy kills Ronnie um, And then Jesse just sees his own, like he's covered in blood and he's like, holy shit, did I do it? Did Freddie do it? And then the cops, he hears sirens and he's like, I got to get out of here. So he runs out of the house and basically comes back to Lisa's house covered in blood. And he's like, I don't think this is a dream anymore. I think I'm actually a killer. I think this guy is possessing me. And she's like, don't worry, don't worry. We'll we'll figure it out. Um, And she's like, I read the last part of the diary. Uh, and Nancy had basically described how to fight Freddie by saying, you know, you can't show him fear. He feeds off of it. It's what he wants. So she tells Jesse not to be afraid of him and to fight him. Um, and then basically. The, uh, this is when Freddie takes over Jesse again and she's like, no, fight it, fight it. <laughs> and then we see he turns into Freddie like we see him as Freddie, but I'm kind of like, does he see himself as Freddie? And do people see him as Jesse? It was one of the things, you know, I would have loved if he looked at the mirror and he thinks he's Freddy and he sees Jesse or, or vice versa. Um, but uh, anyway, so she's trying to fight off Freddy and Freddie and she's like, I love you, I love you. And he's like, no, you can't. I- I'm going to kill you, bitch. Um, and then he just, like, Freddy, like, runs away and but he comes into the pool party um, where this is the part where Oh, yeah, uh, Lisa's dad as was chasing him with like a shotgun. And Lisa's like, don't kill him, I love him. And, um, and then she like locks eyes with Freddy and then he leaves. And she then drives out to the power plant and she keeps coming across and scared, but she's like, it's not real, it's not real. Oh, but just before that was, sorry, it was the scene where, oh, yeah, just before Lisa's dad shot him was the scene where Freddy like leaps up out of the ground whilst the kids are having their party, he starts to kill a load of people. Some teenage kid's like, calm down, man, we can sort this out. And he's like, yeah, whatever. And he then just like kills a load of people. And that's when Lisa's dad comes down with a shotgun and tries to shoot, but she's like, he's not Freddie, he's, he's Jesse, really. But um, so it comes to the part where Freddy then comes up to basically try and kill Lisa at the power plant. And again, she keeps telling Freddie that she loves Jesse. Just trying to get through to him. And oh yeah. So every time, (sighs) every time Freddie is basically trying to get Jesse to turn into or Freddie is there and it's really Freddie slash Jesse. There's like this whale music or whale (laughs) saying. Every time you're changing, it's just like, okay, no, sorry. Insert your own whale music into that, people. Um, but like Lisa then kisses Freddie to bring Jesse back because Freddie says he'll kill Jesse in him you know like and, and you all get him and then he freddy then burns in a fire lisa just watches on and cries but then freddy no jesse emerges from like freddy's charred body and then they hug um so then later we have a healing jesse he's healing from all his burns he's going back to school and is on a bus with lisa but then the bus ends up going nuts and ends up in the desert just like his dream at the opening of the film and that's it like, it was, I get what they were trying to do, but it never worked because you need Freddy in Nightmare on Elm Street films. Yes. They went in a completely different way. Like, I remember, like, reading up about it and the film almost, like, never happened because, like, Wes Craven dropped it. I think other writers had to come in, like, one writer dropped it and then picked up, like, the another writer came in and picked up the, the bare bones of it and then ran with it and um but what I did watch was um I watched I tried to get there is a documentary um called screen Queen my nightmare on Elm street and it is the the guy who played Jesse I will probably find his name later on in my notes um I think his name is Mark oh wow I, I just i just can't find it yeah um but he like later on in life like he speaks out about this film and how it was like a gay film like people are there saying it's like people who are gay and were watching it like when oh when i was younger in the 80s and i was confused and i was like this film i like i get being confused about it so obviously the whole idea was like him struggling with his identity as possibly a killer as someone struggling with the identity of of being homosexual yeah. so this there was a documentary by or a small uh, like little thing up on youtube by a guy called renegade cut and it was the gay nightmare and so it was basically like was this film was it intentionally gay because there's a lot of gay subtext right in the film and it's the screenwriter's name david chaskin and it was like post-aids breakout era and yeah. also the prop master was gay so even like the games was, the titles of some of the games, I can't remember they are, but if you see it in the wardrobe, they're like innuendo loaded, basically. Okay. Uh, oh yeah, one's called Probe. And um, the sign on the door, obviously, as I said, no out of 10 chicks allowed. But the fact is it like, it's really like no chicks allowed is what you see. Um, oh yeah, sorry. So the, the guy who actually played Jesse was Mark Patton. And he's now an openly gay actor who back then, when he was like in the closet and it kind of really heightened the gay subtext for him, I suppose, when he was making it. Um, there are some, as I said, there's a homoerotic lines of when Ronnie is there saying like, you've got a short sure thing and yet you'd rather sleep with me. Um, and then like they, this whole video looked into why does it have to just be subtext? And then there was a book called Cellulo- Celluloid Closet* by Vito Russo, and it was Homosexuality in the Movies. And then, kind of, as we were saying with the Hays Code, it said the censors in the late 1920s and 30s were under the pressure from all quarters. In 1926, um, a photoplay magazine film critic decided the use of disgusting perverts in Rex Ingram's Mar Nostr- or Mary Nostrum, uh, which featured a vaguely lesbian spy, um, the arrival of sound brought a new element of realism to be, to the screen. And the watchdogs of public morality began to bear down on the industry. Um, and then we had, obviously, the Hays Code in 1930s in Hollywood. Um, and I'm uh, sorry, and Hollywood had to abide by these codes. And that's what I'm saying with the subtext. It was the only way to make anything even approach being a gay film. Horror films back then made a fair few films with homosexual subtext, Um as, as I said before, the only way back then that you could portray homosexuality was either to mate, to mock it or to fear it. Um, by the 1960s, it was allowed in films, but it was strictly only as subtext. And most of the times, queer characters were either monst- monsters or villains. So by the time in 1985, when Nightmare on Elm Street 2 came out, to have the protagonist and a sympathetic character be a gay character was a bold move that hadn't been done. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the person becomes the villain due to their homosexuality is also like a big theme and um, this view makes homosexuality look wrong and predatory however in the film Jesse fears his sexuality but he himself is not the monster he is kind and he's sensitive um and he actually like the character of Jesse became a gay icon within the horror genre and it didn't have much in the way like like horror didn't have much in the way of a gay protagonist. You could still say that to this day, um, and for people in the nineteen eighties, like you can get like some people had feared homosexuality for the destruction of the family. Like they had done within that video I watched. Like you could say that they had done. Um, what is it when you ask a lot of people and you get the average figures for stuff?
2: Oh, like a survey.
1: Survey, Jesus, thank you. (laughs) So they've done a survey and they basically found that like a lot of America, if this was done in the US, a lot of Americans have feared homosexuality for the destruction of the family, the family unit as it was linked, oh gosh, I hate even saying this, as it was linked to child molestation in films. Again, that's why they're saying like, to be gay was to be a pervert and to be a pedophile. They were so closely linked together in people's minds Back then, that like it was always like, oh, lock up your kids because a gay person is he doesn't want someone his own age. No, he wants someone younger. Yeah, Which and it's was, that really dangerous kind of portrayal. Yeah, it was such a hideous stereotype. Like, I mean, I don't even know where that came from, but but anyway. And um, so, in the film, when Jesse starts to act strange, he hides what's happening from his parents, who acts as I said, at the dual role of the homophobic parents, where you've got on the one side of the dad the harsh masculine rejection and the other flip side to that is the con condescension under the false disguise of understanding like the dad ignores his problems and then thinks he's on drugs whereas the man wants him to be a therapist but none of them are even asking him is he okay and does he want to talk like apart from lisa who even though she's his girlfriend she's really more like just a friend who they end up having a makeup session like that's it yeah um yeah there they don't have any like touchy-feely moments around that or in the film um yeah so in 1985 homosexuality had only been removed um a little over a decade previously as a listed mental disorder yeah and um, so, so that just goes to show where they were at when making that film. Yeah. Um, in the film, it's like Jesse has been infected by Freddy Krueger and can't get him out of his body. This thought echoes the AIDS crisis around the world at the time. Um, Nightmare on Elm Street is an iconic gay film, even though most of the gay content is beneath the surface and could be denied by the screenwriter. In fact, he did deny that for years. Yeah. Um, yeah, and recent gay representation has improved, but still as a way to go and so that's the only reason why I remember like when I told you I was going to look into this film you're a bit like oh it's not a good gay representation I'm like that's why I want to look into it
2: yeah I think it was not even that it's not a good one it was just that it like they wasn't kind of like, intended
1: but yeah. yeah and I have to say as someone who I think I said it to you or I said it to someone else as like, I am not a gay person. And in my mind, I was like going, on the whole, I couldn't, pardon the punts, oh, I couldn't see where the gay subtext was all over. Like he was being, cause it looked to me more like just a possession film. But I suppose if you thought that he was fighting yeah. his sexuality, then I'd be like, oh, well, then, yeah, it's obvious. You see, that's mm-hmm.
2: the thing. These things kind of need to be explained to me. And I wonder, is that because I'm not within a community where I am being kind of marginalized because of who I love or the way I
0: mm-hmm.
2: am? Um, so I'm kind like, Yeah. Sorry, go on. No, it was just, I was like, I wonder is that I don't see it that way because that is not... My reality, whereas mm-hmm. we looked at it. And again, I, I don't mean that in ignorance. It's just that no more than I wouldn't expect. I know that we've had conversations before with people and they've spoken about films where they're kind of like, Oh, I don't get why Rob Zombie gets so much hate. I, it's just a scene. And I'm like, it's not just a scene. <sighs> yeah. It's like, that yeah. severe violence and like against women that like there is it, like it's not it's not great and we can see that as women Mm -hmm. and you know that's that's where I was kind of like I wonder is it that I didn't see it in that context because I'm not within that community and I'm not looking for it or it's not my day like it's not Mm -hmm. my daily it's not my fear whereas you know we would have the fear of in different,
1: of different yeah 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 yeah, yeah. in different aspects it gets different yes. kinds of people so I was thinking I suppose in that of the vein of that like if you were a, a teenager or someone in your 20s or 30s or at any age and you're struggling with your identity as a you know gay person in the 80s I suppose if you watch this you're like shit everything he has yeah it's is how I have. have and the reactions yeah. to people around me like where they think I'm on drugs because I'm acting so differently because I'm discovering that something that I like is not the norm in my culture. Um, yeah, so I suppose in that sense, you could be like, this is actually how I feel in the film. Now it's about um, a serial killer, dead serial killer trying to possess someone's body. But the, I suppose the changes Jesse is going through and how struggling with this killer identity is how they are struggling with their gay identity. Yeah. So I suppose yeah like that we wouldn't have seen it like that because we weren't struggling because you know we're women so um yeah I I like I suppose (laughs) and it is one of those ones I have to stop and think and be like how is this and now I do see it but I suppose it's and it's a good way that like we are discussing this because it does open up our eyes to it absolutely and it leads to questions
2: and it kind of makes it like Every year within work that we've done something with Pride and we've had a um, talk in, I've really learned like, I've learned the importance of um, pronouns, where mm-hmm. I would have kind of always been like, Yeah, but my pronouns are she, her. I'm like, What, like, you know, that's just it. And I was like, But that's not just it for everybody. Mm-mm. People aren't going to accept that. For so for me, offering my pronouns to somebody it allows them to know that it's a safe space for them to offer theirs to me
1: yeah you get where they would want to use it
2: yeah and it's kind of like I didn't understand the importance of me saying hey it's okay like I'm gonna offer you this so if you want to offer it to me or if you've been waiting to offer it you know that this is actually a safe area to do that mm-hmm. and we were talking about the difference between equality and like I think it was like equity and stuff like that there were three different stages and it was so funny because I was like I have protested for like the majority of my 20s I haven't protested in the last couple of years because COVID and I yeah. um, and I wasn't protesting the fact that we were inside because of COVID because I thought it was you know safer logical side <laughs> yes um so like whereas i would have always been like what do we want we want quality and it was funny to kind of say it like the way they represented it was there were three people and one was taller than the others and they were all given the same box and there was a wall mm-hmm. so they got a quality there in the sense that they were all given the same tool to stand up but the tallest person was now able to see but the person who was the shortest wasn't able to see still even though they were given the equal opportunity within Mm -hmm. inverted commas or whatever um it was kind of like no it needs to be personalized for each person so this person actually maybe needed two steps up or three steps up and it was kind of like knowing the difference between that. And I was like, oh, my God, my whole life I've been like, I want to be equal, but I'm not equal. Like my situation isn't equal. Equal is different.
1: To-
2: yeah. Yeah. And like even like in such a small thing, like like being a white straight woman, I know is vastly different to being a black straight woman like we have very different experiences yeah but even as something as small as the two of us being white straight women we have very different experiences do you know mm-hmm. it's like it it's just like there's so much involved in it it's such a big thing and I'm so glad it is being spoken about more and it's it's funny because it like at the moment it is like it's it's a very scary time and you're you're looking at the stuff with Roe versus Wade. And we had a conversation about this on our thousand hour walk back from the Chili Peppers, where it was kind of like,
1: yeah. like
2: that is awful. And the next thing they're going after is the right to legally marry as a gay person. And then yeah. we were talking recently as well about um pride in Dublin. And I was kind of like, it's such like it's such a great and happy time. But I I felt that this year it was like with a bit of like fear and sadness, because there have been such attacks within Dublin and Ireland recently yes. on the gay community. And there was a murder on the on the other side of the country of two gay men. By it, like it's this gender male and it's kind of like you're like, although for us we're like oh we're going the right way forward like we would never think of it this way it's kind of like but there are so many people going a thousand times backwards I saw something where it was like I just read it a couple of minutes ago and it was like um something about living in history or a history repeating itself but it was like I didn't know it would be the fucking 1800s that was repeating itself (laughs) you know and it's like it's like it's so important to still talk about these things and to kind of also recognize that although we're moving forward, that there is some scary shit happening that is really trying to pull us backwards. Oh, yeah. And, and
1: the thing is, is that it, it doesn't take much to go
2: no. all that way back.
1: No, it really
2: doesn't. It's like, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And it's terrifying. But I just, I would just hope that it doesn't go. I hoped, God, it doesn't go the way of Roe versus Wade. And it's so funny. I always use the word God when we're, when we're, when we're recording, because it's such an Irish thing. Like it's not, and I just in this episode, especially, I'm like, oh God, I really, oh God, I really hope that people aren't like, (laughs) why are you supporting something that really doesn't support this community? I, I don't support it. It's one of the main reasons I it's don't like a support tink it of
1: Irish people. It's we can't just, help with the yeah.
2: Yeah, it's just one of our words. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So I
1: think I actually think that movie is very important within mm-hmm. that. Yeah. When I went into it, I remember thinking going, Oh, this is going to be a terrible representation, but like that, it's got layers because they had no choice but to layer it yes. in. Yeah.
2: No, it definitely is. And I actually don't think I kind of understood that properly as well until I started looking into stuff for this episode as well.
1: I will also say on it from a horror point of view, because that's obviously our bare bones of of our whole podcast. Shit film. Shit film. It's probably my
2: favorite, favorite thing that you've said in a while. Like it was, this was what the film was. And also it was
1: shit. Yeah. Like groundbreaking pile of dog shit god damn it yeah, yeah 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 it's just a seesaw for fuck's sake like
2: importantly bad yeah oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. my next film and my well my film <laughs> that
0: i watched <laughs> um,
2: actually does have i feel a um lgbtqai plus protagonist
1: oh go on color me intrigued
2: yeah so I went with Fear Street Part 3 1666 which is a sequel to Fear Street Part 1 1994 and 1978 now don't do what I did and watch the third without watching the second or fully watching the first I, I did watch it fully but I didn't really enjoy it that much so I wasn't fully invested in it
1: because ah, I was like, hoping I could have just gone straight in and watched the third one as well I haven't seen any of them yet I was quite confused
2: ah. now when I reread about it I was kind of like ah okay cool 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 so basically given a quick little synopsis the movies that went before and this one is kind of more totally could be wrong but i think this one is more directly related to 1994 than it is 1978. so
1: 1994
2: is this group of friends and at the core of the group of friends is this like our final girl our protagonist who is in a same-sex couple Ah, um she the the cast of this movie they um there's like this really bad like curse on the town that they live in and like every couple of years people start being possessed and start killing the shit out of everybody else it has a really bad name um they go through this like you know where everybody's being possessed her girlfriend gets possessed at the end of the film they realize that there's this link to actually a witch who lived in the town in 1666 the second one starts and it's like 1978 they're in like a camp and I think that's more to do with that kind of time I don't think it really links into the 1666 I'm also making that up because I haven't seen it So I'm kind of like, I don't think it has anything to do with it, but maybe it does. It doesn't
1: anymore.
2: So the 1666 one, I must say, and I think anyone from Ireland will find this a little bit jarring. They have very odd Irish accents.
0: Oh.
2: I did Google it. And like some people on Reddit were like, no, I'm not from Ireland. And I didn't think they had that. I thought it was more kind of like, like a bit of a, I don't know, but it's definitely an Irish accent. It's, it's like an Irish person hamming up an Irish accent. Um, mm. It's a bit your man from Halloween three.
1: Yes. Like, yeah.
2: Once you watch it for a while and you can kind of get over it, they're actually not that bad. Um, But then I watched it in two parts. And then when I went back, I was like, Oh God. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Just, it's it's jarring. It's really weird. <laughs> but basically, um, it opens up and um, there is um a group of like friends. They're um, they're teenagers, but in that time, teenagers were pretty much adults. And um, one of the girls who is our main protagonist from the first one, she's like this badass kind of like farmer girl, and she's real cool and stuff. And um. Oh, she gives a pig an episiotomy when it's given birth. And I was like, oh, I don't oh. want to see this. Um, I've just decided I don't want one of those. I don't know anyone who goes into labor thinking I'll get an episiotomy. And if you don't know what that is, don't Google it. Um. So she gives the pig one of those and she gets out the piglet and they're like, oh, you're the only person who would have gotten all the seven piglets. And it's just like, oh, God, Jesus Christ. And then they're feeding on the man straight away. And I'm like, oh, God, leave the poor piglet. Anyway, once I get over the trauma of that. um,
1: And all I can say is that, like, it's a big leg crossing scene, I'd imagine. It's a massive leg crossing scene. And then the fact that they don't know. I'll stop. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Basically, there is a guy in the town. And he has lost his wife. She is very good to this man. Uh, people are kind of like, "Hey, why did you get married to him?" And she's like, "I'm an independent woman. I don't need to." Blah, blah 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 blah. I'm cool. And the dad is like, "Are you sure? Would you not want it?" And she's like, "No, Papa. I don't need it." Um. And then there is something to do with the moon, and they're having this party, and it's a big party, and sure, they're all having the crack. And then um, she goes down with no other than the pastor's daughter. Mm -hmm. And they share a few kisses because they are in love, but somebody sees them. And the next day, the pastor is taken ill. And um, the pastor's daughter rings her and she's like, oh, my God, my dad's. No, she probably doesn't ring her because I imagine phones didn't happen then. She sends a pigeon, right? Um, But anyway, she gets in contact with her. She's like, (laughs) my father is sick. And she comes over and she's like, look, you can't be here because my mom has heard whisperings about us and everything. Then the mom comes in. She's like, you beguiled my daughter. You bewitched her. Now my, my husband is sick because of your devilish ways. So... It's this whole thing of like the fact that they think they're witches because um they are actually just gay and um oh,
1: okay oh god and
2: then it goes quite sinister if that wasn't sinister enough
0: okay
2: <laughs> um. <laughs> But basically, they can't get into the church. Then the um, the pastors there, they get in. He's killed pretty much all the kids. He's taken all their eyes out. He has no eyes. And he's all like blah, 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 blah. Um. then they're like, this is because those women fornicated with each other. They're witches. They lay with the devil. And at this stage, I was kind of like, OK, this is the movie over. There was still like an hour left. And I was like, how? How is there an hour How left? How much worse can this I guess. Hammy accents. I can't do it anymore. Which, as I said, you do get over the hammy accents. Now, my problem is, I th- I'm pretty sure I'm right, but my problem is all of the men have the same haircut, same hair colour, and look exactly the same. Um, so I can't be 100% sure and definitely who's the evil one, but I think I know who it is. Bar one guy who looks like Robert Pattison, when he is portraying the Batman.
0: So, yeah.
2: he's like proper greasy, and he's all like, "Witch, confess, you're, you dirty look kind of thing," and you're like, "Oh, mm-hmm. shut the fuck up." Um, so basically, your man, who's the friend, is like, "No, it, it, they weren't doing anything. Just leave them alone. Um, who, who fucking cares if they were? Do you know, they're grunt. Mm-hmm. So, they." They run and they chase after the two girls. They get the pastor's daughter. They chain her up. Your one comes back. She's like, go run. Like at least one of us can get away. So the the protagonist, the main girl runs off and she comes back and she's like, oh my God, are you okay? And she's like, they they believe that we're witches. And then she turns around and she goes, hold on a second. Actually, they're going to believe it whether or not we did this. So why don't I just do it? You're always going to think I'm a witch. Let's well, Yeah, a fucking In witch for a penny. Yeah. And I was like, sound, fucking sound. So she goes and tries to find the witch that she had seen the day before during the whole blood moon rise and shit. She gets there. She's dead as a dodo. She arrives back to her friend's gaff and he's all like, oh, hide. They're coming. And she's all like, "Ah, oh, the witch is dead. Blah, blah, blah. You have to help me. Then they come in and they're like, Are you hiding her? And he's like, Absolutely not. And then she kind of like skulks off to another area. And under the house, Seymour, is where he has been devil devil worshiping Satan.
1: No, it's just like one of those conjuring films. So I can't it was remember which one. You're
2: actually the friend. And you're dun, dun, like, dun, uh, oh, no. Then. Then you kind of get like a bit of a slasher element because it's been like, it's been, you know, the witchy vibes mm-hmm. so far. And she's all like, I'm going to go because you're the devil. And
1: yeah, we can be just, just gonna you. walk backwards.
2: And I'm going to tell everyone that was you and it was not me. And he's basically like, yeah, let's see who they believe not only are you a woman, but you have lain with a woman, and everybody knows it, and uh, I'm a man. So, and I was like, oh, you dirty bitch. He definitely yeah. turned around quickly. But basically, he's like, ah, no, you have to stay, and he has a knife in his hand.
1: Oh, my
0: and
2: God. The are in the wrist. But Ooh. then, not only that, Emer, he then bends the wrist back, and she's pulling at it. And her hand clean comes off.
1: Kind of similar in that grossness. Uh, here's a little hot take. I watched the film over last weekend. I watched the recent film Men. Yeah. yeah. There's a scene with a hand cutting and it's so gross and it's whatever. But I will tell you, that film starts out really good and just becomes bonkers and not in a good way. And mm. I still don't quite know what they were trying to get. It's like they never knew how to end it. Yeah. And so the last third is just like, you're like, what? And then you just go to different high octaves of what? 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 And um, not worth your time. Good film premise. But I feel like sometimes I feel like A24 just wants to be too arty. Yeah, Yeah. So I'm like, you know, check yourselves, lads. Yes. Um, so, yeah, no, but that had a big hand cutting scene. And you're just like, oh.
0: Uh.
2: Yeah. As does this. Yeah. Um, it's yeah it's it's graphic i was really like oh god didn't see that coming then she gets out of the house and then he like pulls her hair and he's like i found the witch ah. so then they like tie the two girls up and they're like confess and robert patterson is all all like confess i'm a creepy greasy bastard and um she turns around and she goes i confess and the pastor's daughter is like what the fuck are you doing and she's like i bewitched her I, I lay with the devil, but I, I did it all. Yeah, 100%. So she knows by doing this, she's going to save the love of her life. Your man is putting the noose around her neck and she's like, I will be with you forever. She goes mm-hmm. full on practical magic where she's like, oh, this shit is going to fucking haunt you for the rest of your life. But mm-hmm. instead of killing the loves of all of her, her like people's lives she's just gonna ruin this guy's life so when she's hung she starts to go back to the person she actually is so then I was kind of like oh okay so it wasn't it, it was like this weird kind of like flashback that they went to and like All of the friends were actually the right. like her brother in this was actually her brother in 1994. And I was like, oh, this is where I should have watched all three of these. So she then wakes up in 1994 and she's like, I know what happened. It was actually Sir Dixalot who did it. And it wasn't her. And she wasn't a witch. And she is actually just... You know, she's been wrongly accused, but it's actually this guy who has done it the whole time. And it's his lineage that is pulling it along. Oh. Then it links into 1978, because actually the sheriff of the town is the guy who was like the teenager at the camp in
0: 1978. Oh,
2: OK. Yeah. So and then I can't remember what the relation is of the woman. Is she an aunt? Is she? I don't know. So they basically have to kill the sheriff and they have to like set all these traps and, you know, the girlfriend is still possessed and all this stuff and sure you know, everything ends up right and dandy and your one has her hand back because, you know, that was historic. And um, yeah, they, they, they win. They save the day and the girls yeah. just are happily in their lovely relationship. There you go. Yeah. So very much a, I couldn't remember was their relationship open in the first one. Mm. Um, and it was nothing to do with the fact that there was that relationship in it. I actually just think I kind of went into it, kind of like everyone keeps saying it, it's like scream, and I'm going to be like. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: When someone overhypes the film, as we talked about this on last Wednesday as well, you're just like, no, I, I refuse to watch it. In fact, I'm never going to watch it. Else,
2: it was the fact that it was Oral Stein and it kept being kept. It kept being put with Scream. Yeah. That I was like, these are two of my favorite things. So therefore I am going to hate it.
1: Oh, yeah. It's going to ruin both of them for me.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so maybe I'll go back and actually give the other ones a shot and then probably come on next week and be like, oh my God, first Street, favorite film ever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that would be a great thing for you to be able to like have something new then. To put
2: aside my crabbiness.
0: Wow. Well, yeah.
2: <laughs> so I've definitely enjoyed this week. I think it definitely made me think a little bit more. Um, possibly not to look at things too critically in the sense of a film wise but actually go how would this have impacted a Mm -hmm. a community of people um and just kind of to learn a little bit more
1: yeah and and we can only just hope then that as the years go on you will see more um lgbtq plus because i i'm sorry i don't know all of you're great with knowing your letters um apologies again but uh i would love to start seeing them in more mainstream films horror i know horror is a great starter off for for like characters and for storylines um because it's like you put so small of a budget but can make such a profit like it can it can be so it's a great way that like ideas can come across like you had i just even thinking back to some of the films like for different reasons you would be like get out where it was just like one of the most profitable like all black yeah well black protagonist yes. ones and of all kinds uh, and I, so it's just for ones like that it's a great way to get your idea across where I, I suppose like some main studios could be like it's kind of like knowing no fee kind of as much but it's like you can't if you fail it's it's not like if you're gonna like hurt your, um, the company's namesake. Like mm-hmm. there, it it can still happen, and I just really like with the likes of Blumhouse. I think they are moving quickly. Yeah, well, slowly, yeah. quickly, but like they, they are got Like you can start to see it's taking shape and taking yeah. form.
2: And Emer, as you were saying, there is very good with my letters. I actually think I totally got them wrong. So it's LGBTQIA. Plus, and I think I've been saying AI the whole time.
0: Does it matter
1: what order you say it in? Someone can tell me, um, like DM us on our Instagram page of yeah. Because You Were Home with an underscore between every word. Are we, you know, just wondering. Yeah. Not to say is there a hierarchy, but is it like, well, the LGB, we came first. Yeah, but there might it's be wanted.
2: like, there like, no more than like all the colours in the pride flag. Representing mm-hmm. something, this there might be a reason why, like at what stage, it said or, the way it it said. or not. Yeah. yeah, but next week we have done a little planning. So, next week we're going to be talking about horror movies that involve killer animals,
1: and we're talking of all kinds. Uh, anything that is not human but has a heartbeat could be a killer. I've met some of those weird. people before. <laughs> Lol. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny. Um, it's a difference. We haven't been able to tell anyone while our next week's episode has been in so long because the lack of planning. <laughs> terrible planning. recently. Guys, it's the summertime and our brains kind of melt a little when this happens. Oh, God. Yeah. So make sure to give us a follow
2: on Instagram with an underscore in between each word.
1: And you can listen to us on most podcast platforms. If you listen to us on Spotify or Apple or any other one that gives you the opportunity to give a review, we'd really appreciate that. It kind of just gets us out there for more people, makes it easier to be found if people are doing a search for any kind of horror podcast. Because I'm fairly certain loads of people should get onto that bandwagon.
2: Absolutely. Move on from true crime,
1: people. Yeah. Come to the dark side. Yeah, they've saturated the market. After you watch real killers, how about you watch fake killers? I mean... Come on, it it. might make you feel a bit safer. A hundred percent, hundred percent.
2: And we will speak to you next week. Bye. Bye.